0: Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson.
1: Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson, and let me ask you a question. Have you ever suffered a failure? From the stage, I'm thinking that anyone who has spoken for any length of time has suffered from what we call the F word, failure, at least once in their career. My amazing client, Erin Deal, speaks to audiences about just that, the big F, failure, and she's here to talk about her own experience from the platform. Erin, welcome. I'm so happy to have you back.
0: Jane, I am here for you and this community. Always. And especially, especially if I could be of service when it comes to the F word, you know what I mean?
1: Okay. Well, our last, our last episode that we did together on this show was about rocking your, uh, interactive presentations. And that's kind of like your comfort zone, these interactive presentations, tell everybody about what you do in your in the company that you've built what you do in your day to day and the you know you've you've built quite an empire there girl
0: <laughs> oh my god stop keep going no um i will tell you thank you for that cuz it's nice to hear that sometimes cuz you know everybody has good and bad days and You know i'm just gonna keep it real for everybody jane i'm having one of the f f word days today she's feeling some fails so this is like par the universe always brings you the things that you need to get through on the days that uh are the things that you need on the on the days that you need to get through things so in my day-to-day i'm the founder of a company called improve it and we use improv comedy to train professionals on power skills and we do that through play laughter experiential learning it's mostly workshop based and now i am stepping out on that keynote stage and thank you jane for the support and the help because i need it
1: so your comfort zone is when you're putting other people out of their comfort zones, probably. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: You're out there working with people, getting them up on the stage with you and and doing fun things and showing them how improv and laughter can help them in their day-to-day workplace situations. And I think that that's really interesting to kind of like, let's just put that aside as your comfort zone, because now you're expanding into speaking and you've got a few now under your belt, quite a few actually, and some good, and maybe one especially that I'm thinking of, not so good. So why don't we talk about uh, a bad day on the platform, what you would deem an F and start there. And hopefully by the end of today's podcast, you're going to remind yourself of (laughs) why you're doing all of this and, and uh, you're going to feel better. This may be a coaching
0: as well as we go yeah jade you didn't know that this really is a coaching session no i'm just kidding so the f bomb so it's interesting it's very meta the experience that we're talking about i was actually talking about failure and it was a failure and i'm going to tell you i've learned so many things through that one of the biggest rules of improv comedy is there are no mistakes only gifts Mm -hmm. so I have to take my own advice when these things happen. And one of those things is to, and I'll just give it away. It's called Move On. It's a methodology I developed that truly has helped me through so many of my own personal failures. So the first piece of that Move On method is to marinate. So I was in Austin, Texas, and I was speaking with a group of 100 people. And this audience just happened to be predominantly male. I had a little bit less of a connection with this audience than I do any type of workshop. I went into it really amped and excited, which is just my general mentality. I did not meet this audience where they were, which was a huge learning for me. So I got off this stage thinking, wow, it brought all the energy when I realized that no one in the audience connected with it and it was almost way too out of their comfort zone. And here's just to even back up from there in the sale of this keynote, Mm -hmm. I was not a part of the sell. My team sold this.
1: Oh, interesting. And, and, and would you say it was a wrong thing? fit audience that maybe had you been more a part of the sale. So I want people to hear this because so many people come to me and say, oh, I just really want somebody else to sell me. (laughs) This is maybe a reason why you should be a part of the process at some point along the way. Would you say it was a wrong fit?
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And you know what was the first thing after the contract had been signed that the client Mm -hmm. said to me when I got on the phone? Uh, they said, we are a really hard group. That was the we're a really hard group.
1: Were they left-brainers? What kind of audience was this?
0: So it was a group of people. Yeah, more analytical. I'm not going to – I feel like I can't give it all away because if anyone were to ever listen and know, you know, I'm sorry it was bad. You know it was bad. I know it was bad. But it was a group of analytical, more blue-collar, if I'm being honest, people predominantly male. And it was just not my fit. It was not the right audience. I was not the right speaker for them.
1: And I think that one thing we discussed after the fact also was the idea that you don't have to go and put on a show. Yes. I remember feeling that relief that when we had that discussion, that it's not like the Aaron deal show, it's like kind of like, a. I heard, I've heard it said years ago, it's like a ping pong game where it's back and forth and back and forth or a tennis match where it's you and the audience and you're just kind of, and, and, and I think that maybe took some relief off of your shoulders for knowing that you didn't have to be that Aaron show with all the lights flashing around you.
0: A thousand percent, and you said that to me. I remember right after, and it clicked. And I will say, if if I'm looking back on this time, I was going through my own sort of healing journey at the time. I had a lot of unprocessed emotions that I had not dealt with when I was getting on this stage. I was leading with my ego a thousand percent.
1: So anybody who's ever had uh, an F, and I've had this happen in my client life over 20 years, probably a handful of times where I'm talking people kind of back onto the stage. One of the really key tips, I think, for coming back from it is to not make it about you, but to make it about them. Let me just go back and serve this next audience. And so we have a contrast here in your story because it started in Austin with what you would deem an F and maybe they would deem it. I don't know. Like A lot of times speakers are so much harder on themselves than their clients ever are. And so I'm not going to say it was an F. It was an F in your mind. So um, let's talk fast forward. OK, so you had a lot going on in your personal life and you made it about you and you thought it needed to be the Aaron show. And and so we got all that gone and then you moved on to another engagement in Chicago, which I think was far more of a white, right fit audience to begin with. Talk a little bit about, set the stage for that one. And then I want to talk to you about how you felt after that one.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that event was completely different. The client mm-hmm. came to me personally mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. They followed me on LinkedIn and we had a great conversation. It felt immediately different from the get go, from the first discovery call. I had also grown, I had also evolved and you had helped me tweak this presentation and connect with my audience. So one thing I just want to mention is that in Austin, I had the F, I had to go back and do that same event twice with a different audience, but same demographic. So I Mm -hmm. tweaked it from there. But then I took those notes and tweaked it even more to make it all about the audience. Less about me, all about them, which, are, which is my go-to in a workshop. In a workshop, I'm guiding them the entire time and there's nothing about me in there. So that was my comfort zone and for whatever reason, I had left it. And so going into this Chicago event, the client from the get-go just felt super natural. We had great conversation. They booked in like three or four days and Mm. we had a great relationship. I was a part of, I was the sales call. So I was definitely a part of it from beginning to end. The rapport was so wonderful. The event itself was a women's conference. It was a larger group of people. It was a university with a lot of alumni and corporate sponsors and, the event from start to finish was a success it was amazing and the connections and the camaraderie and the feeling that i felt giving the keynote felt completely different because i tuned in to me and i tuned in to them
1: so if we were to think about Uh, If we were to dig down into the mindset and the thoughts that might've been going on in your head, talk about the Austin event, the the F event, going into that event, what do you think your thought was?
0: You know, I think I was actually really in my head, which is another, which is a term we use on the improv stage. I wasn't present in my body. I was in my head. I was thinking negative attack thoughts.
1: Yeah, like what? What would have been some of your thoughts?
0: I was taking that piece of information. The client told me that we are a hard audience and I was thinking about it. Okay, so
1: we are a hard audience was your thought. And then when you think that thought, so I'm kind of walking through the thought model
0: right now. When you think, oh,
1: they're a hard audience,
0: what feeling does that
1: result in for you?
0: So for me and this is a part of, you know, my own journey of a, being a human being mm-hmm. when that happens. I think I have to amp it up. So in my mind, I was like, Over- I have to turn. Yeah. Overcompensate and turn mm-hmm. it up when actually right. right. down right. it
1: down. That's really interesting. Okay. So then the result was not a Not a great outing from your perspective. So now let's flip it over to the Chicago event. Your thought is more like, man, this is a perfect fit for me. And when you think this is a perfect fit, what feeling does that give you?
0: Yeah, it gives me just the sense of connection to my purpose. And honestly, it's... Yes, purposeful. I feel a sense of inner peace, mm. and I know I knew from the get-go that I was going to change up the keynote. Yeah. So the and you gave me this piece of advice, Jane. You said put something at the top of the keynote that makes people. That gets you up that gets you out of your comfort zone that brings you back or actually brings me to my comfort zone, which is an activity interaction. I put that at the top of this keynote in Chicago. It changed everything, everything, and then because I got them connected in their bodies with me, they were with me from the beginning to the end, and I'm talking about writing down notes, taking pictures of slides. And I'll tell you the best the very best compliment I ever received was after the keynote itself, a woman walked up to me and she said, "This was the most tangible thing I've ever sat through."
1: Hmm. That's nice. That's a, that's a nice compliment. You know, something interesting. A lot of times when people have high-stakes keynotes They throw out all their old material and they start from scratch and they build something brand new. And I've seen this happen a lot on the influence stage at the National Speakers Association where they don't use any of their kind of tried and true go-to material. And for you to just go back out, I don't know if this was your first one back, but after an F, to go back out. Like, let's just get you into a place where you feel really natural and comfortable, where you feel like your most authentic self. Start from that and then build from there. And I think it's really interesting. So you thought, I am a trainer and I'm now becoming a keynoter. I need to throw out all the things that I know about training and I need to be the show, the keynoter. And, and so I think that that's really interesting to recognize that actually what you needed to do is take a little bit of your training and kind of incorporate it in because you and your energy and the, and the interaction between you and the audience is probably a huge part of why people love you so much, Right.
0: I d- and I think I make them feel confident in themselves. And so you're absolutely right, Jane. When I wa- when I do training and facilitation, I watch people walk in the room, you know, negative energy, siloed people. I watch them after 2 hours walk out a cohesive ensemble of however many people are in the room, the energy is high. It's transformational the work because I use this art form to do it because I use that art form to make somebody feel something in themselves. And you're absolutely right. I threw out almost everything I knew, and I created a keynote that had some elements of what I knew. But there was ego. there I'm gonna just say it. There was ego in there, and I think that was coming from this place of now I have to tell a story about myself. When actuality, I can use storytelling, but I still needed to make the story about them. And as soon as that happened, I could not tell you. Literally, when this woman gave me that feedback at the end, my team was all standing right there. My entire team was there, my internal team. I started crying and they were like, she's crying. And I was like, no, I'm because that was the feedback from the the one I did in Austin was that they needed more tangibles, that there was more that was about a personal story. They needed to relate it more. And I will say the industry I was working with, I don't think, I I just think it was a completely wrong fit in general for me. But at the same time, I could have done things to make it more about them. And that was the biggest takeaway. And it it just, it was such a light bulb moment for me when I realized I know how to do this. I just didn't think that's what I was supposed to do.
1: Mm How often do we listeners get caught up in what we should be doing? You know, it's so frequent that I hear people say, oh, but you can't do that in a keynote. Really? Who said? Who made the rules of keynoting that said this thing or that thing? The one thing that I will say is that when you flip things around and make it about them, one of my most high profile clients had a very bad day. So much so that he wanted to give a lot of money back to the client. And so we talked several times during this very difficult time because when you have a thought in your brain that is causing a feeling that lacks in confidence, it's very difficult to get back out on the horse. The thought in your brain is typically something about you. And so what you just said, it was, about ego. It's about me. When you flip it around and make it about serving an audience and not about you, everything can change. And I think that's a great way to get unstuck if you ever feel stuck after something has gone wrong. I want to assign a piece of homework for our listeners. Erin has kind of walked us through what a not perfect, an imperfect audience might look like. I would love for you all to make a list, if you're driving, you might do this on voice notes, your perfect audience criteria, your perfect audience criteria. You could also do a separate list for your perfect buyer criteria. When someone comes to you and says, Oh, we're a really hard audience. (laughs) They're not instilling, you know, they're not even saying that they have any faith in you that you can do it. (laughs) Right, right. The next question to that should have been, well, why did you choose me? Yeah. And maybe that formed uh, something about, well, we're trying to do this and we're trying to achieve this. And I think that that's really interesting conversation to have. Your perfect audience criteria is going to be one set of things. So these are people who maybe they show up and they're ready to play. If you've got an uh, an audience full of armed cross people, maybe it's, you know, all male and and that's not who your people are. You know, really be aware of who is perfect for you. The buyer from the buyer perspective, things that go on that list are Things like uh, they pay gladly and on time, they make a decision quickly because they know I'm the right fit. And you said some of that about uh, audience B that, you know, they made a decision in three days that you were the right fit. It's because they had confidence in that, that it was a good idea that, you know, you guys were all going to uh, get along and have a really good conference. And yeah, so Start making your list.
0: Can I so, can I say one thing, too, to that? And maybe you taught me this. There's an acronym that goes with it. Did you teach me elf?
1: No, it's not me.
0: It's not, I'm not you. an acronym. You're not an <laughs> acronym. But it. but I love what it's exactly what you said. Is this client easy? Are they lucrative? And are they fun, fun,
1: easy, lucrative, fun? Those are your first three things that can go on your list for yeah. sure. And I think that that's so important. If you're not going to have fun with that audience, then, you know, I don't think you need to put yourself through that. I I think sometimes we challenge ourselves to get out of our comfort zones, but just think about when you're punishing yourself, when it's unnecessary for you to do that. Okay. So you have client A, not so good. You have client B and it's a perfect fit and everything goes. What did you start to think about your keynoting career after you had this win, after you turned it around?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I think I said this to you. I have been a keynote speaker for the past year. A lot of it was virtually. I've had a few in-person moments besides these other two. And I think I said this to you after client B. I became a keynote speaker today Mm -hmm. and I felt it in every single aspect of my being. I was connected with myself, connected with the audience and I served them and that is what I'm here to do. And I recognize the failure and the A, you know, the A was a big F in my (laughs) mind, but the B was a big W.
1: We're throwing around a lot of uh, letters here. So I think your stepping fully into becoming a keynote speaker was perhaps what actually made me want to talk to you about this because I think sometimes maybe people aren't all in on it. And as I've talked about in the speaking world, there are really only two things that you need. Number one, Is 100% commitment. And number two is consistent action. And so when you have commitment to being a keynote speaker, that means that the actions that you're taking are every time I go out, I'm going to get better. I'm going to find out things that I can do to improve. And I think that's if if you've got those And, and the all in mindset, I think now it's kind of locked down for you. Yeah. You're like, I I don't think there's any going back. You are uh, going all in on being a keynote speaker. And I think that there's a reason why your company has already surpassed your goals for the year. (laughs) And it's only March. Hello. So uh, I think that's really interesting. Talk a little bit about what your goals are and where you'd like to see yourself go in the future. Yeah. Because now that you're a keynote speaker, you
0: know. Sky's the limit. That's right. Sky's the it, limit. That's it. So from now on, as a keynote speaker, I will fully embrace that title. I want to connect with as many audiences as possible. That's the mm-hmm. goal. It's to be of service with the purpose and the mission that I'm here to talk about. And. There's a special project in the works. It might involve a lot of words and typing. I don't want to say that one yet because it's not it's not coming to fruition just yet, but there's the the behind-the-scenes things happening. And it really took, and I'll say this to anybody listening who is is thinking of becoming a keynote speaker or has any limiting beliefs, it's a mindset. It's literally a mindset. And for me, it is been a real exercise in telling myself that i can do this because our thoughts create our words and our words create our actions and so it starts with putting positive energy in your own mind telling yourself you could do this and for me that's what i'm going to keep doing and i have to do that because that's the message that i spread is laughter levity positivity Mm Through the lens of failure, and also of of keeping people interested in their culture and helping them feel like they are seen, heard, and valued through this art form of improv. So, continuing the keynote route and some special projects. Where I'm at, Jane.
1: Love it, and I just for those listening and not uh, viewing this on YouTube, if you can't see the video, Erin has a big sign behind her that says "Fail, yeah." <laughs> And I love it. Uh, it's a beautiful, you know, that's your podcast frame, and I love it. Um not that long ago, actually, it was just a couple of weeks ago, I went out and did my first session workshop, I guess I'll call it, since pre-COVID live. I hadn't done anything in person. People had asked me to come out to their chapters of speakers, and I said no. And uh, so finally, I was already in Florida. I said, I'll come and do the Florida Speakers Association. And so leading up to it, I could have had a lot of thoughts like, oh, I'm really rusty, and oh, I don't know if I have it anymore. And I'm sure those actually did float around in there. But when I just said to myself, hey, I'm just there to share with them some ideas. Hopefully they'll like them. And I had someone who had been in the uh, industry for 25 years, sitting in the front row, furiously taking notes. And it just made me feel I got a standing ovation, which I wasn't expecting at all. And it just made me realize, okay, when you flip it around and just really make it about service, it changes the game. I mean, it wasn't about me and my silly ego. It was about just here are some things that I think you could use. And I went in there really calm, calm as a calm as a cucumber. That's not exactly right. But <laughs> I went in there very really calm and uh, it worked out really well. And I think that that's why is just. Because it wasn't really about me in the first place. That's so it. That's the message. Okay. Um, real quick, have we covered, uh, you've talked about some of your rules of coming back from failure that you teach on the daily. Uh, there are no mistakes. We've got that. Move on. T- talk more about what some of your rules of failure are and how people can apply them.
0: Yes. Okay. So the, I did not go into full detail on this move on methodology because it is an acronym. So the right. M stands for marinate. You have to feel the feelings. You have to process these emotions. The really O, good. yeah, you have to before you can move on to any of these next letters. So the O is to own it, which means right. place blame on no one and forgive yourself. Okay. V is to verify the lessons learned. So what, to, what are the two to three things that you're gonna take from this experience? E is evaluate next steps. What is your action plan coming out of this? Here's one of my favorites. The second O is the um. Get quiet. Get quiet. Sit with everything that you've just processed you've processed now you've you've taken some action and you've learned some things sit with that because the in is your next failure because there's going to be another one and you're going to have this methodology in your back pocket the next time it happens because that's just life we're here to learn we're learning these lessons all the time and it has to happen unfortunately through things that feel like failure so that methodology It helped me get from A to B in this conversation. And it's what I teach. And it really does, I go into depth in this in my keynote efforts at work, but it definitely has shaped my life and helped me shape and think of failures as gifts, celebrate them and do it frequently, which ultimately leads to success. There's so many people out there who have failed way more than they've succeeded, very successful people. And so keeping this in mind, if you feel at any point like you have failed, move on and apply it.
1: I love that. I especially love the marinate part because I think people try to pop themselves up and out of uh, bad feelings very, very quickly. And sometimes you just got to feel the feels, man. That's like, it. Like let yourself sad or upset. Like decide. I really love... Oh, I shouldn't talk about this. There's this Apple TV series called Shrinking, which is very, uh, a lot of foul language. So you're, if you're at all sensitive to that, don't look at it, but it's really, really funny and really, really good. And they're therapists and they have this idea that you're going to grieve for 15 minutes a day. And you set a timer and you ball your eyes out for 15 minutes. And then the timer goes off and like, okay, I'm carrying on about my day. And I thought, oh, that's actually a pretty good technique. Genius. Yeah, I really like it. And it's funny, funny show. Um, Marinate, though, I think sometimes we do try to pop ourselves up and out of it, even in storytelling. I think we don't let people, you know, sit in the muck for too long. We like to pop up and out of, you know, oh, I, you know, went through cancer for five years and, and, you know, then you're on to the next part of the conversation and the story. And um, it's okay to kind of sit in it for a minute. I think that's a really important part of uh, telling a story. Erin, I cannot thank you enough for being here and being just so willing and vulnerable to share what works and what doesn't work in your business. Tell everybody where they should connect with you if they would like to uh, find out more. And you have a, um, a, a, something that you give away or a newsletter Yes.
0: Is right? Okay, so I was just going to mention that. So we're actually taking a really hard stance with mental health and wellness at work. And we're using this to help people just show up better for themselves so they can show up for their teams. If you go to our website, learn a pop up will come and it's called the play your way into wellness workbook. It starts with a quiz. So you find out how well you take care of yourself. It gives you an avatar. And then it gives you helpful techniques, daily rituals, and energy boosters for your specific type of wellness avatar. So get that, learntoimproveit.com. And then you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Aaron Deal at Improve It, or Keeping It Real Deal. That's D-I-E-H-L on the gram, the Grammy gram. I like both platforms. So either of those.
1: Your podcast too. What's your podcast called?
0: Yes, the Improve It podcast. Check it out. It it helps you use improv to show up as your best self, personally, professionally.
1: Love it. Listeners, I'm hoping you wrote down the move on approach to failure because I think it's really, really important that we follow this strategy and pick ourselves up and move on to the next thing. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here, Aaron. With that, we'll say, see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.